We continue this morning in John chapter 4. Hey, Mark, can you turn the low down just a little bit on this? I feel like I'm booming, boom, boom. Okay, how's that? Does that sound a little bit better? Thanks, sounds better to me. We're going to continue this morning looking at John chapter 4, studying the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. So open, if you would, to John 4. We're going to be reading verses 27 through 42. Picking up in the middle of the story. We're actually going to spend most of our time focusing on the disciples. And Lord willing, next time we'll return to the woman, the rest of the story of her and all of the rest of the Samaritans. But we've got this interjected exchange between Jesus and his disciples concerning their focus and their priority. Jesus exhorts the disciples to see the spiritual work before them as fundamentally more important, more fulfilling, more beneficial even than physical food and drink. And so this is a theme that we've seen throughout uh, the story of the woman at the well and other places We'll continue to see it with the disciples failing to understand what Jesus is saying when he's speaking spiritually, metaphorically, about food and water, the same way that he was speaking metaphorically and spiritually to the woman earlier in our story about water. Right. So now he continues, and we realize that we are like the disciples. And we need to have our eyes opened the same way that they needed to have their eyes opened to the spiritual realities surrounding us. So please stand for the reading of God's word, again from John chapter 4, beginning in verse 27. At this point, and this point is just as Jesus is concluding his conversation with the woman at the well. At this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for the harvest. 
Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. So Jesus had been talking to this Samaritan woman at the well. He'd been teaching her the need that she has for spiritual water, for the Holy Spirit, right? So that she can worship in spirit and in truth. As he sends her away to get her husband, which of course ends the, ends the conversation with her saying, oh well, actually, <laughs> about that, <clears throat> I don't have a husband. She goes off into town, and the disciples return. That's where we begin. And what they are amazed by is the fact that he's talking to a woman. We're going to come back to this a little bit later, but for now let's just note that the disciples have no idea what to make of Jesus sitting at the well and talking to this Samaritan woman while they're off buying food. They really, they don't have, they, they just don't know what to make of it. They're shocked by it. They don't have any question. well, they, they, have, they have some questions that they kind of want to ask, it looks like, but, but they don't bother asking him any questions. <clears throat> They've got other things on their mind, is what the text makes clear. Despite the fact that they're confused, they wonder what's been going on. They're not really that concerned about it. What they're concerned about is what? Food. Yeah. Now, how many of you have ever been concerned about food before? We've all been concerned about food. I'm concerned about food like every day, right? Yeah, their concern is more about food. Verse 31, what seems to me is that they want to get back on the road. They're in the middle of a journey. They're traveling through Samaria on their way to Galilee. It's the heat of the day. They stop. They get some food. Jesus has a rest. The disciples come back and they say, eat up. As though we got places to go. Now, you could read it in the most positive light and say that they're concerned about his physical well-being. Okay, well, we don't know. Maybe that, maybe it's a, undoubtedly it's a combination of the both, right? But I know myself, traveling, how often are you concerned about, eat up! Kids, eat up! You gotta get back on the road. What I want you to see is what the concern of the disciples is. The concern is they're traveling. The concern is the food. The concern is the things of this earth. Worldly things, right? They want Jesus to hurry up and eat. So they're urging him, eat Jesus. But in verse 32, how does Jesus respond? 
he responds with this strange statement, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Now this conversation corresponds with the conversation that he had with the woman at the well that we read a couple weeks back. They're talking about water in that case, and he says, well, I've got water. She's like, you don't have water? You, can't, you don't have anything to get it out of the well with, and the well is deep. Jesus says, I've got food. And the disciples say, who brought him? You didn't bring him any food, did you? Did you bring him food? No, nobody brought him food. He doesn't have any food, does he? How do you get food? The response of the disciples and the response of the woman at the well are exactly the same. They're stuck on the physical, right? And so in some sense, we've got to repeat. The necessity of seeing with spiritual eyes. But in this case, he's not talking to somebody who is unconverted about the necessity of them putting their faith in Jesus Christ. In this case, he's speaking to his own disciples, and he's calling them really to the same thing. Open your spiritual eyes. See with spiritual eyes what I'm talking about. You have food. It's not you need water, like it is to the woman, but it's you have food. I have food. I've given you food. Spiritual food. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? As believers, as my disciples, he's trying to redirect their focus to things that are spiritual. The disciples are clueless like we are. The disciples are lost in the concerns of this world like we are. And so Jesus explains in verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. To do the will of him who sent me, and not just to be working at it, but to actually, what, accomplish, to accomplish it. All too often, our concern, my concern, is about getting food more than about living the way God has called me to live. This is me every time I get hangry, right? When I'm that, that is a combination of being concerned about physical food and what? My sin. That's what the word hangry means. You are hungry and sinning. There's no avoiding that, right? Because why would I be angry? Well, I'm angry because I'm hungry. It's just understandable, right? Well, it's understandable in this world, yes. But am I seeking to do the will of him who sent me, as Jesus describes it? Or am I simply concerned about getting my own way, what I want right now? Right now. That's hunger and sin brought together into one. And we do, this with not, we do this with everything, right? All sorts of physical things, 
We bring the desire to have our own way in this physical world here and now, to have what we want physically here and now, together with sin. And then we use that desire and, and dare I say, need, because food is a need, right? It's a need, and so it's, we're justified in whatever we do in seeking it. And so you'll, you'll justify your unrighteous anger, your short temper, your being a jerk to your wife, of yelling at and losing your temper with your kids, of all sorts of wicked behavior, because why? Well, because I have an unmet need. And all of this is just about food. What about when we turn to our other needs? We have the same sort of thing with sex. We have the same sort of thing with water. We have the same sort of thing with fulfilling relationships. We have the same sort of thing with romance. We have the same sort of thing. And you just go down the line, right? I have all these needs, and this one is met, and this one is unmet, and this one is met, and this one is unmet. And so what are you going to do? Whatever you want to get that need fulfilled. And whatever you do, it's justified. And yet, all of this comes out of, you know, the context. The reason I'm driving down this road of recognizing how we sin by looking only at the physical world, okay, is because what Jesus says is actually... I have food you don't know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, when you get hungry, I'm going to keep coming back to food because that's the one that Jesus talks about and also it happens to be very easy for me to talk about. All right? When you get hungry, how many of you have been in the middle of work, working intently on something, and you just completely miss the fact that you were hungry. It's just it's out of your mind. You're no longer hungry. You don't get hangry. You just keep working and working and working and working, and that lunch is gone. Have you had that happen? I've had that happen lots of times. Some of you may not. Okay. But what I want you to see is that this is, I'm, I'm describing a, a physical reality still here. Just, just speaking physically, we can get, get to working on things and lose track of the need to eat. Right, this probably has something to do with your personality. Okay? I don't know that everyone would have this happen. <laughs> <clears throat> Those of you who are nursing mothers, don't let it happen, right? (laughs) Make sure. But we can get to work in such a way that all other things are out of our minds. We're in the zone. 
We're accomplishing the task before us. It's exciting to us. We're getting it done. And the need of food is secondary. Secondary. That's what Jesus is talking about here, except what he's saying is, my food, the thing that's filling me, is to do the will of him who sent me. The work before me. He's in the zone of accomplishing the spiritual work that God has given him. And not just doing it, but accomplishing it. And isn't it when you're accomplishing the work that you're liable to forget that you're hungry? It sure is with me. If you're banging your head against it and working at it and not getting anywhere, then pretty soon it gets to be noon. You're like, well, I'm going to stop and get some lunch. But when you're starting to make real progress and you can see the end coming to, you know, you're, you're making rapid progress down the track, that's when you're excited about continuing because you're accomplishing the work. Jesus is talking about this being his food. And even if we only think physically, we understand what he's talking about. If some of you haven't experienced this with food, I I want you to think about the other needs that you have and how they can suddenly pale, suddenly disappear out of your mind because you're focused on something else. Does that make sense? We've all experienced this, even if we haven't all experienced it with food. So Jesus, let's, let's reread what he says. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So then, we've, we've experienced this. How many of us have actually experienced this, though, not just with worldly, physical things, but with spiritual things. How many of us have experienced this? All worldly things pale because we are accomplishing the spiritual work before us that God has given us to do. I hope many of you have, and I hope that many more of you will experience this. Because it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Jesus is not the only one who experiences this. I'll testify to that. Jesus' concern is not for food. Yeah, it's the middle of the day. He's been trapped walking in the heat, right? Yeah, he hasn't had anything to drink. Still, even though he just spent all this time talking about water and asking for water and getting asked for water, he hasn't had anything to drink. He hasn't had anything to eat. And he doesn't care. Because he's got more important things to do. 
And not just more important things to do, like, I'm going to finish digging this hole first. Then I'll stop and get something to eat. No, he has spiritual work before him that he sees being accomplished. And it satisfies his soul. And it satisfies his body. We must not be so concerned about the physical realities of, our, of this world, about this, the physical needs that we have, that we lose track of the more important things, about living the way God has called us to live, and about accomplishing the spiritual work that he has given to us. Now, this is not a call to give up eating, right? Now, I, I, that's, that's not a joke. It's obvious that that's not what Jesus is saying. Give up water, give up food. And yet, the reason I have to say that's not what he's saying is because immediately, when we're faced with the conflict between our physical and our physical needs and the spiritual work before us immediately our tendency is to say something along the lines of this well i need to make sure that i keep my body in good health i, I need to make sure that uh, i uh, provide for the needs of my family, that I give them enough of my time. Well, I, I need to make sure that I, and, and, we, and we start talking about our needs and the, our physical needs and the physical needs of the people around us as though somehow that justifies us not giving priority to the spiritual work. And so we, what we do is we hold up this straw man of, well, oh, Jesus didn't say give up food and water, did he? And as though that's the only other option. And you know, so obviously we, we get to be focused on, this, on the physical. Because clearly Jesus couldn't have meant, meant give up food and water. And I say, no, of course Jesus didn't mean give up food and water. Now focus on the spiritual. These, this is not the only two choices. Die of starvation? No. Receive your fulfillment in your spiritual work? Yes. Let it overwhelm and overtake your physical needs? Yes. Let it have such a priority in your life. Yes. Now, the intersection between spiritual and, and physical is, is always there. So it's not like we've got this... Um, <clears throat> it's not like it's easy to, to draw these lines all the time. Okay? 
So immediately when I said, when I talked about spending time with your family, some of you probably were like, got cringed a little bit because like, isn't that spiritual? Isn't that, you know, part of what I'm supposed to be doing, my spiritual work, teaching them, raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? And I, yeah, absolutely. But there again, there's a lot of physical too, isn't there? There's a lot of just plain old physical need. Like they've got to get dressed, and they've got to get baths, and they've got to get fed. <laughs> so here we've got the disciples, and the disciples are stuck on the physical. Now, have the disciples been disobedient in our passage? No. I mean, there's no, like, they haven't broken any part of God's law, right? And yet, they're culpable. They're to be blamed. They, they They have sinned in not seeing the spiritual realities. They're focused on the wrong thing. Their concern is for the wrong thing. Can somebody bring him food? They're like Martha. Listen to, listen to Luke 10, 39 through 42. She, Martha, had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And we want there to be this false dichotomy where, well, fine, I guess I won't care about anybody's physical needs then. Is that what Jesus is saying to Martha? No. Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part. Listen, what I want you to know this morning is the call that we see here from Jesus to the disciples is to choose the good part. Choose the good part. Jesus' satisfaction is not just in doing his Father's will, but also in accomplishing the work. And that's the good part. And it truly is satisfying to his soul, satisfying to his body to accomplish that work. And if you choose the good part, it will be satisfying to you.
So what is the work that Jesus was accomplishing? The work that he was accomplishing was the salvation of sinners. The work that he was accomplishing was bringing about salvation. So now jump back to verses 27 and 28. The disciples aren't concerned about the work that Jesus was doing. They haven't chosen the good part. They're not concerned for the Samaritans. And in a sense, you wouldn't expect them to be concerned about the Samaritans. As Jesus told them, when you go out preaching, don't go to the Samaritan cities. And he was talking to a woman, and they're not concerned. Whatever Jesus was doing with the woman, they're confused about it, but not confused enough to ask any questions. They're like, oh, whatever. Whatever he was doing, I don't know. But just like the woman they were missing the true spiritual importance of the conversation that then they began to have with Jesus. So now, they were amazed. They didn't ask any questions. Verse 28, so the woman left her water pot and went into the city. Now what's happened? What has happened is that the woman has understood the spiritual importance, the significance of the conversation, and now, suddenly, she doesn't care about water anymore. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? So Jesus spends all this time going, spiritual water, spiritual water, the spirit, worship in spirit and in truth. And the disciples come back and they're like, food, earthly, physical food earthly physical food, and Jesus is, you know, she's just gotten it. Right before he has that conversation with them, she goes off and leaves her water pot. (laughs) Because why? Well, because now she understands spiritual water, spiritual water, water that bubbles up to eternal life, water that satisfies my soul. Disciples are left thinking about physical food. Now she gets it. And here again, we have a beautiful testimony to the truth of Jesus' promise that his water is better than the water of the well. It's more satisfying, more important, more wonderful. You'll never thirst again. Now, is she going to get physically thirsty again? Yes. But what's her focus? Her focus has changed, hasn't it? Why? Well, because she's now satisfied in a way that she wasn't before. It's a demonstration of the attitude 
that Jesus has himself concerning eating and drinking physical food and water versus the importance of spiritual work. She's satisfied with the water that Jesus promised and then gave. So I say, yeah, you know, she'll get she'll get thirsty again. But now here is here is where we make the jump through the 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 you know the there there's this um there's this threat. It's like this flaming ring, and it's the health and wealth gospel. Okay? And I and I want us to be able to to make the leap through without getting singed or burned up in the process. Okay? So what's, why do I bring up the health and wealth gospel now? Well, because I want you to understand the physical and the spiritual in, the, in a right way. Okay? Because Jesus says that the life of a Christian is, is one of taking up your cross daily and following him, right? It's a sacrificial life. And, so, and, and then if you look throughout history... You've got example after example after example of people suffering physical want, suffering under intense physical need, going hungry, going thirsty, and ultimately dying, being imprisoned, being executed, starving. What? Because they claim the name of Christ. Or even if it's not persecution, simply that Christians end up suffering hard things and die. Right? And yet, what is the promise of Jesus? The promise is that that if we drink the spiritual water that he has offered, that we will never thirst again. And what do we see here? What we see here is the woman going away, leaving the water pot, Why? Well, because she now is satisfied in Jesus Christ. And she can suffer any need in this world now and have that same satisfaction. She will never go without. She will always have that water. It is a well a spring within her, the spirit. And so does does God promise to provide for our physical needs? Yes. And what blessings he has poured out on us. Does he promise that he will never allow us to suffer and face need? No. But he does promise that he will provide for us in our day of need. He will provide so so that we can do the work before us. We can pursue godliness, in other words. Do what he's called us to do. Live the way he's called us to live. Not be bitter. Not be angry. Not be short-tempered. 
not be unholy because of our needs, our physical needs that we don't see being met, right? But rather, we can eat and drink the spiritual food and water that he provides by doing what he's called us to. And that our ultimate joy and you know, our, our ultimate satisfaction will be in accomplishing it. And sometimes the accomplishing of it is the accomplishing of dying for his name by faith without blaspheming. Do you see? And what does that accomplish? It accomplishes that his name is glorified. And it provides true satisfaction to our souls and to our bodies, despite whatever we may face physically. And this is the grace that's given to those who suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. This is why it's so impossible for us to understand how they could live through what they've lived through and say what they say as they're dying. When Stephen says, Lord, forgive them, they know not what they do. It's the last words that he speaks, and they're killing him. How can he do that? Well, he can do that because his needs are met in Christ. Our needs are met in Jesus Christ. Our needs are met in doing his will. Often you see that new converts have this focus, this intensity of satisfaction in Jesus Christ, the way that this woman does. She runs away from the well without her water pot. Has she forgotten it? Well, maybe. She certainly left it behind. It's big. It's going to slow her down. She's got more important things to do. She's got to get back to the city before Jesus leaves so she can tell the people, come and see the man who told me everything that I ever did. This is the Christ. And yet, Often as we mature, we begin to look down on that, taking satisfaction in Jesus Christ to the ignoring of physical things. Well, one day you'll learn. You'll settle down a little bit. Do we want to settle down? No, we want to be satisfied in Jesus Christ. We want our food to be the food that he ate, the food that he provides. And it'll meet our spiritual needs, it'll meet our physical needs. And so Jesus turns the disciples to look at the harvest the way that he looks at the harvest. He turns them to look at the work the way that he looks at the work. It's a field. It's ripe. 
verse 35. It's ready to be harvested. And they didn't even have to do the planting. How exciting is this? You don't have to plant and then wait four months and then harvest. The planting has been done. The watering has been done. The prophets have come. They've prepared the ground. Even in Samaria, the, the, the harvest is ready. Samaria, of all places. Look at it. How could we turn aside? How could I care about anything else right now? The people are coming back out of the city. And the benefit, disciples, the benefit. What does he say? Verse 36. Already he who reaps is receiving wages. Do we want wages? Yeah. Wages are what we work for, right? Are we too high-minded? Are we going to now all of a sudden become spiritual and say, oh, no, we can't do spiritual work to gain a benefit. We only do physical work to gain a benefit. Yeah, I go to work every day to get money, <clears throat> but now I can't be, you can't really, that's... No, the reason we work every day physically to get our money, to get that benefit, is so that we understand that doing spiritual work results in wages the same way. The reason we get to plant and then watch it grow and water it and, and then harvest it and, and rejoice at the harvest is so that we understand the wages, that we understand the rejoicing that Jesus has and why he's satisfied in it. Already he is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. So where do we see the benefit? <clears throat> well, Jesus sees the benefit right there and then. That's why he's not hungry. Oh, I've got food. I've got food you don't know about. It's a benefit to him. You can, you can talk about the science all you want. Well, he's probably hyped up on adrenaline, and then he made it through the day because he was hyped up on adrenaline because he didn't eat, and then the, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine, I don't care. Like I said, you can, you can see this happen, this type of thing happen, when you get in the zone, engrossed into any kind of task, and lose track of your other needs. Yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing particularly spiritual about that. And yet, that's a physical benefit. <laughs> it's a here and a now benefit. Jesus is satisfied in his physical self with doing the work before him. But is that all? After all, I mean, come dinner time, he's just going to be more hungry. No, that, that benefit is temporary. You see that? That part of the benefit is temporary, but the beauty is that you get that benefit 
but much more importantly, you get the benefit of wages for life eternal. You're storing up treasure in heaven where moth and rust won't corrode and where you won't have to get extra hungry because you skipped a meal. That's the real benefit. It's beautiful. Fruit for life eternal. Now do we have this same desire? The desire for those wages? Or do we care only about well, I've been walking for four hours, and it's the heat of the day, and I want some food. I'm hungry. Well, I was pregnant for nine months, and then I had the baby, and now I got a nurse, and I got a... Well, there's some satisfaction to be had in a smile. But not like the satisfaction of having trained the next generation to follow God, to raise up a godly seed, as we've been commanded, the work that we've been given with the fruit that God has promised. Could you ask for anything better? It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Your desires will be met only in the true food and true water that God provides as we do His will. And accomplishing His will, there's nothing like it in the world. There's nothing like it. And the benefit will be eternal. Let's do that work. Amen?